Chapter 7. We ask you to bless this community. Every autumn, Hampton Bays holds its San Gennaro Feast of the Hamptons. What is it? Patriot saint of something for, for Italy. That's all I know about it. The celebration honors Italian-American immigrants. There's rides and music. Parents drink beer from plastic cups while their kids try to win stuffed animals fixed to the back of carnival booths. The event is a big source of pride for Hampton Bays. Well, you have Italian people, there's Irish people, there's, there's a Latin community here, you know, and we all have to live together and we have to work together and it's a good thing, you know, and, and right now we're in a, a state where this country's in kind of fear and the fear of the unknown and fear of people who are different, whether it's your religion or your color of your skin or, you know, or whatever, and we don't need that. The last thing we need is all that animosity. The organizers closed down a street and some parking lots in downtown Hampton Bays. Right next to the railroad station, there's a long row of vendors that come from all over the region. Backpacks, uh, clutches, um, shaving kits. Uh, we have it. John Fortini is selling Trump paraphernalia under the shade of a tent. The sides are lined with many, many images of President Donald Trump. When I started selling the Trump hats, they would buy them, but they asked me to bag them. And lately, they're putting it on their head and walking away. No, I don't need a bag. Boom. Kind of tells you. You know. And to be honest, I'm surprised. Like the Hamptons, I always thought it was like, you know, like Alec Baldwin, Hillary Clinton. I told her, I said, I don't know about it, but let's try it. But so what was the conversation between you and your wife? Like, She goes, I heard the Italian festival was a good fair. And I'm like, where is it? She goes, the Hamptons. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to like us there. I said, but I'll give it a shot. And uh, as you see, another hat goes in the bag. That's about two dozen today already. The Bel Air is located down the street from the feast just past the Hampton Bays Elementary School. All of the tenants right now are in the process of moving out. I watch them go back to court over and over again. Each time, they said that they couldn't find another apartment. And each time, the Bel Air's lawyer, Mark, pressured them to sign a stipulation. With the stipulations, the town would finally be able to close on the sale. Mark didn't want me to hear him trying to persuade the tenants to sign, so he pulled them, one by one, into a small conference room outside the courtroom. I watched through a window. Mark, the lawyer, sat on one side of the table and put the stipulation in between him and the Bel Air residents. Carmen acted as a translator for the residents who had less English than she had. When the tenants came out, they told me that Mark wore them down. They said that Mark threatened to sue them for back rent unless they signed the stipulation. One tenant was able to negotiate to get the hot water turned back on, but eventually they all signed. The town of Southampton could finally buy the Bel Air.
Alright guys, how do you guys feel so far this afternoon? Ninth Annual San Gennaro Feast, give yourselves a nice round of applause. Now, From WSHU Public Radio, welcome to Everytown. I'm Charles Lane. Lord God, we ask you to bless this community and we ask you to bless this festival. May it foster in us a true sense of brotherhood and community. May we, through your grace, love our neighbors, reach out to those less fortunate, and welcome the stranger. In short, Lord, may we be conduits for your love to the world. We ask also, Lord, that through the intercession of After the San Gennaro feast, I stopped by the Bel Air. Como estas? How are you? Good. What are you up to? Uh, we're making yourself. Yeah? You want to show me? Yeah. Okay. This is Benny. He's one of Eric's kids. He's dressed up in a Flash Gordon costume like it's Halloween. Together, we run towards the yard sale, where Carmen and Eric's wife are sitting under a tree. There's mounds of clothes piled on the grass. A picnic table is covered with old children's shoes. There's a toy truck I used to see sitting in the window of one of the units. Now it's laying on the tarp like it's drying out after a flood. Have you sold anything yet? Yeah. What'd you sell? A lot of clothes and toys. No, I sell the toys. Yeah, my kids sold the toys. Here's toys. Right now I'm making more than what I make in one day to working a hard whole day. <laughs> really? Wow, that's only, great. Only in three hours. <laughs> Carmen has found a new apartment. It's actually another motel. <laughs> I just started moving, move, uh, packing, you know. Nos dieron el papel para firmar, para el primero salir. Nancy and two other tenants moved to the same motel. It's just on the edge of the school district border. Carmen's kids still go to Hampton-based schools. Same for Eric's kids. I have a lot of stuff, so I want to, I don't just want, just like throw out all the stuff because I have to move to a, a little place. Carmen's new so apartment, or motel, it's half the size of the space that she has here at the Bel Air, twice the cost. Carmen still has the same job, though, cleaning for the wealthy. Are you going to go to the festival at all? No. We don't have money to expend money over there. <laughs> it's so expensive. I asked Carmen if she thought it was hypocritical for the town to celebrate Italian immigrants while also forcing her from the Bel Air. No lo conozco, no sé, no sé nada de él, solamente sí sé que es un grupo que no quieren que también estén tantos niños en la escuela y, y así. She doesn't know, only that there's a group that doesn't want too many kids in the school. This question of hypocrisy isn't something she dwells on. No, no sé si es hipocresía o no, pero de Ya es lo que celebran aquí y en toda toda América, porque San Patrick they're celebrating in whole America, and I don't know San Genaro, but it's just it's like a American tradition now. Yeah. 
Jose, he signed the legal stipulation before he even found a new place to rent. He's sitting in his car, and he wants to show me pictures of an apartment that he applied for. It's out of Hampton Bays. When I put the application here, close to the Hampton Bays, I paid $400. Even though he doesn't have kids in the school district, Jose still got caught in the campaign launched by concerned citizens of Hampton Bays. I put a similar question to Jose that I asked Carmen. Is it hypocritical for the town of Southampton to want immigrants to work here but not live here? Jose says the town should think about where the workers should live, because without them, what's going to happen to the community? If they don't have uh, some play, good play for 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 lifts, uh, why they not make a big um, apartment for the poor people? Without those apartments, the residents struggled to find housing. Most of them ended up in another unstable situation, like the Bel Air. Maria moved 45 minutes away from her job. Susan got a roommate, Debbie, and they were both able to stay in the area. Luis and Victor, they moved into the same motel where Carmen and Nancy went. Victor Morales moved in with his mother. Another Jose that I met, he moved into a group home that CCHB would consider overcrowded. Vincente moved out of Hampton Bays altogether. So my thinking is why they no 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 let to the people making some apartment in San Hampton. Why do you think? Why don't rich people want you here? Well, that is my question because they because the the poor people they no making too much money, but they help a lot. People working, 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 working. They no making too much money, but they do something. Diana Weir, Southampton's housing director. She told me that she couldn't help the tenants, that this opposition to low-income housing is a proxy for racism. Diana's boss, town supervisor Jay Schneiderman, he didn't tell me this. He failed to mention that there were no affordable places for people to go. He never told the town board that the Bella residents might struggle to find a new home after the town closed the Bel Air. So now my question is, does Jay Schneiderman even care? Hi, this is Rima Dael, WSHU station manager. I know I'm interrupting your listening of every town right now, but I just wanted to interrupt for just a short couple seconds to say thank you so very much for listening. And if you like stories like this, help 
us keep them on the air with the news that you rely on and the music that moves you. Please make a gift right now at WSHU.org. And thanks. Uh, Chapter 4, Section E. There is a feasible method for the relocation of families and individuals displaced from the urban renewal area into... I'm reading New York's urban renewal law from my phone because I'm having a debate with Southampton town lawyer Jim Burke. Supervisor Jay Schneiderman is watching us. This was not an eminent domain. I'm reading from the... Which is eminent domain. You're reading from the vision of the GML, which... Jay is leaned back in his chair with his legs crossed. We're halfway through a three-hour interview. It's getting late. Jackie, Jay's secretary, probably wants to go home. Okay, like, what do you want me to do? Like, can you get me, like... Sure, you... I mean, all, all you do is read the book. It's, the, 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 you know. <laughs> Why are you sticking at my face right now? Uh, because um, that's what microphones are for. <laughs> we're not, you're not interviewing me right now. You, we had a discussion on your... your I'm interested in this law because part of it authorizes the town to buy the Bel Air. But there's another part that also appears to obligate the town to relocate Eric and Carmen and Jose and everyone else. So I'm trying to figure out why the town followed one part of the law but not the other part. So if, if I'm understanding correctly, my question was, uh, did the town uh, res- make this resolution that there was suitable places? And what you're saying is that the town wasn't obligated to because that wasn't... Well, they're not obligated to, to... They may not be obligated to... And, you know, you have inside of me a section of the, of the, of the Article 15 of the, of, the, of the... You're not giving me... You know, you're, we're talking... You're reading from something which I don't even know what you're reading from. So... I'm not the first person to raise this question. During debate on whether Southampton should buy the Bel Air, the town board's lone nay vote also raised this exact same point, to which Jim responded almost exactly as he does here. At the town, we had our director of housing, Diana Weir, was working with the owner of the property, and we pledged that we would give any assistance possible if if it was necessary to relocate any of the tenants. Diana told me that the town couldn't help Eric or Carmen find a new home, that the town isn't a, quote, social service agency. Uh, from my conversations with the residents, she was of no help at all. all she really did is- Jay is still leaned back in his chair with his legs crossed, but now he has something to say. It doesn't sound like Diana, but did they, did they come to Diana for help? Did yeah. they say, Diana, can you help us find a place to live? I'll talk to Diana about that, but uh, I know Diana cares very much about people. I've known her for a long time. Well, I mean, she she said her hands were tied. Like, she can't, she didn't have any houses to give anybody, and she couldn't help anybody. All she could do was uh, refer them to to the various social service organizations out here. Again, it sounds like everybody found housing. So if you have something that contradicts that, uh, I'd like to know that. Uh... Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they found housing. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly easy. It's, you know, it's people, you know, rent houses that are sold and they need to move and they find other places to live. Um, it's never easy. It's not an easy area to find housing. But uh, it sounds like everybody did find housing. So uh, that's good news. Is it? Most of the people ended up in another unstable living situation. The people were just pushed to another property. 
Jay's apparent apathy towards what the people at the Bel Air have gone through, the missed paychecks, sleepless nights, losing their home, not caring about this is different than how Jay typically portrays himself as balancing Southampton's wealthy tourist economy and the needs of its workers. I do think, though, that a community has a responsibility to house a certain percentage of its workforce. I don't want to live in a a community that has lost its soul, has basically displaced the very people that it needs to operate, whether it's, you know... Even when the wealthy fought against affordable housing, Jay says that he worked to convince them otherwise. I feel like we've turned a corner on creating affordable housing. I've been at this for a long time. Um, And as I said, I've been sued a number of times over creating affordable housing. So even if Jay wasn't legally obligated to help the tenants at the Bel Air, I thought he might have felt a moral obligation. You know, I would have been happy to sit down with tenants there um, and, and, you know, do my best to to help them if I can, if I could. So, um, but no, nobody did, you know, as far as I'm aware, no, none of the tenants there called this office. Jackie, did any tenants at Bel Air ever call this office? No. No. Actually, the Bel Air residents were calling. They were calling Diana Weir, the person that Jay put in charge of helping. As I leave town hall, I'm left wondering, what, if anything, actually changed by closing the Bel Air? The tenants were forced out. But their kids stayed in the same school system. So CCHB and the school's campaign to lower taxes, at least with the Bel Air, that didn't really work. In fact, it was Mike Dunn and Joyce King who ended up leaving, not Carmen or Eric. The Bel Air is empty, but tied up in litigation from the CTV squad, Elizabeth, Mary, and Doreen. So Jay's plan for the Bel Air, this economic revitalization... That's on hold. Towards the end of my reporting on the Bel Air, I started to think more generally about all of the complexities of an immigrant workforce. There's housing and poverty, race, education, language. I wondered what Southampton could have done differently. I called one anthropologist who spent his career asking this question. His name is Don Stahl. He's a professor at the University of Kansas. For years, he studied small rural communities that experienced a sudden inflow of immigrants. Some of these towns did well. They welcomed the newcomers who, for years now, have participated fully in the community. Other towns were dominated by fear and hostility. I asked Don what made the difference, what made one town thrive and another town not. He said there were two factors. First, if the newcomers were filling much-needed jobs, if their labor contributions were valued, that leads to positive outcomes for the whole town. The second factor, according to Don, is the quality of the community's leaders. He told me about one town he studied, Garden City, Kansas. He said there, 
the editor of the local paper and the police chief and the clergy and the educators and everyone else, they all looked into the future at where their town was going and they created a plan to treat newcomers as a blessing and not a burden. The towns beset with hostility over taxes and housing and crime. Don says that their leaders were fearful, reactionary, and insular. Well, thank you very much. We need talent for what we're doing, believe me. Uh, we're here to discuss the... On February 6, 2018, President Donald Trump hosted a roundtable discussion about MS-13 and immigration policy, which is one of the last places I expected the Bel Air to turn up. It's in the cabinet room of the White House. There's some 30 people circled around the conference table. Senators and congressmen, congresswomen, immigration staff, and law enforcement from around the U.S. MS-13 recruits through our broken immigration system, violating our borders, and it just comes... The congressman representing the Hamptons is here, Republican Lee Zeldin. He's a longtime, reliable ally to the president. You have proven that you will do absolutely everything in your power to address a very personal issue for us. Lee is wearing a dark suit with a yellow and blue striped tie. When it's his turn to speak, he talks about people who have been killed by undocumented immigrants. We had one woman in Greenport on the North Fork of Long Island who uh, was murdered, allegedly, by a person who was an illegal immigrant. Sandwiched in between these stories of violence, Lee brings up the campaign to close the Bel Air, Mike Dunn and the school's campaign. Just last week, a school board in my district was forced to take action against its own town for $10.5 million in costs incurred due to massive overcrowding in local schools. Last year, Lee doesn't mention that this overcrowding claim is legally dubious. He doesn't mention unequal property taxes or the divide between the east and west side of the canal or the need for workers in the Hamptons. Instead, he turns the Bel Air into a political weapon. Last year, 498 motel rooms in Hampton Bays were occupied by illegal immigrants who use this housing year-round. Most of the people who lived at the Bel Air are actually in the country legally. Lee doesn't offer any evidence to support his claim. His office never answered my calls or emails. Stripped of context and fact, Lee then makes another claim. And in Hampton Bays, as a result, years later, of one year after another of Southampton Town not doing the right thing with code enforcement, MS-13 is committing heinous crimes in Hampton Bays, in the town of Southampton. And we hear in the news when the, the horrific murder that took place... MS-13 committing heinous crimes because Southampton isn't enforcing its town codes. This is new to me. The president is nodding his head. Uh, once again, thank you on behalf of uh, a, a region of our country that desperately needed your leadership. We know that we have it. You know, we know that you have our back. I do. And, and thank you. Thank you Deeply. very much, Lee. Martha? Sir, thanks for the opportunity to be here, and thanks for your leadership in raising awareness on uh, this major thing. 
I talk to lots of people about MS-13 in the Hamptons. Police, advocates, elected officials. Only one person told me that the gang had a real presence here. This person was a member of the Concerned Citizens of Hampton Bays, who liked to brag about his connections to the White House and Lee Zeldin's office. One of the last times I spoke with Eric Yulate, I asked him about MS-13. He was leaving court. The town had summoned him for yet another code violation. <laughs> so you're done with court? Yeah. You, you yeah. happy with that then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking with my wife this morning. He's still living in Hampton Bays. His new house is a lot more expensive, but at least his kids don't have to change schools. Um, there's a, a congressman, uh, Lee Zeldin. Do you know Lee Zeldin? Zeldin, yeah. I told Eric about what Lee and CCHB said, that MS-13 was in Hampton Bays. MS-13 in Hampton Bays? Well, well, truth of the matter is I haven't, I haven't seen people like this around here, not in Hampton Bays. I have heard that they are in... According to Eric, MS-13 does have a presence on Long Island, just not in Hampton Bays. So that haven't happened. I mean, I haven't read in the newspaper, I haven't heard in the news, anything like that. So that means that it's a, you know, a completely lie in all of this, which I don't think that's right. And then, of course, they go to the name of this guy, Alden, whatever name, to go to the White House and tell Trump, which Trump is just waiting for a little thing to be heard and then say something against, tweet something against the, uh, the Spanish people. Well, it's like a chain. A chain that started with one person in one small town. From Mike Dunn to the school to the town to the White House, and then to every town. All the complaints are because of that. But you see, this, it, this is strange. I never have received a letter from... But then there's Eric's response. Before the first day, which is the Labor Day of school, we get very early in the morning, like 4 a.m. in the morning. And we go to that Once a year, he and his church congregation pray outside the local schools. Pray for, not just for the kids, because we can do that in the, in the house, but for the teachers, but for, for every people that works. We, even in, in the town offices, we come here, all these offices from the town, we come and stay outside, and then we pray for these people, because these people, they need to change. So, so even when uh, the town... Uh, is chasing the people out of the Bel Air. And even though you think the school is not fair to Spanish people, you still go outside those buildings and pray? You know, it's kind of difficult to understand the thing. But this is, Carlos, this is what I see. In my personal opinion, what I see is when the people are trying to me to be mean with you, it's because they have a need. You know, like they, they, they have something something empty. So if people come here and try to pick up a fight with me, it's because they are trying to dump their garbage in something else, in some place. It's up to me if I receive that garbage or it's up to me and say, no, that garbage is not for me. It's your own problem. 
So instead of that, I'd rather to say, God, take care, take control in all the judges that works in here. Make them have the best resources to live well and good. Don't have the haste to rule this, this, uh, this town or this community. So why is my prayer? My prayer is not for the people to change because it's not for me. People will not change. But at least I can come and, and, and ask God for these people, to, for Him to give some, some idea, some new idea, some, uh, some change inside of them, some need for change, you know? But yeah, I'm really happy right now. Fine, it's done. This story was written and produced by Max Wasserman and edited by Ann Lopez. Gabby Pardo fact-checked. It was reported by myself, Charles Lane. Special thanks to all the staff at WSHU who supported Everytown from the very beginning.